So before we get started, I'm going to assign everybody a call name. I am going to be oh, Iceman. Oh Matt, you are going to be Maverick. And Delin, you're going to be Merlin. Guys. Eat a bag of dicks, Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Hey, Did You Ever See That Movie? I'm your host, Dez, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Lynn. That's right, Iceman. I am dangerous. Okay, and joining us again this week, the podcaster with a fully packed bong, Pat. You've lost that love and feeling. Oh boy, <laughs> yes indeed. This week, we will be discussing the 1986 action movie, Job Gun. This movie was directed by Tony Scott and written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. It stars Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, Anthony Edwards, and Kelly McGillis. As always, this podcast will contain spoilers, so if you haven't seen it, go watch the movie, then come back and listen to the podcast. And now, it's time for the triumphant return of Disaster Peace So sit back and enjoy the show. <laughs> Welcome to Disaster Peace Theater, where me and my two co-hosts will act out one scene from the movie that we are reviewing for you this evening. So please, sit back. Grab some popcorn and enjoy the show. Quiet on the set. Camera speed. Sound production, take one. We won. Jester's dead. That's not what I heard. Nailed him below the hard deck. It don't count. Hard deck, my ass. We nailed that son of a bitch. You guys really are cowboys. What's your problem, Kazanski? You're everyone's problem, dude. That's because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe. I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right, Iceman. I am dangerous. Cut! 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed doing it. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Okay, and now it is time for Dez's four and one fake fact, where it will be up to my two co-hosts to figure out which fact is total bullshit. Fact number one. Originally, director Tony Scott cast Tom Cruise as Iceman and Val Kilmer as Maverick, but Tom Cruise refused to do the movie unless he was given top billing as Maverick. Number two, Anthony Edwards was the only actor that didn't throw up during filming. Number three, Kelly McGillis' character Charlie was based on a woman named Christine Fox, who was the U.S. Deputy Security of Defense, which made her the Defense Department's highest ever ranking female officer. Number four, Tony Scott was apprehensive about casting Meg Ryan as Carol Bradshaw, he was unimpressed by her and didn't consider her the first choice of the role. 
one of the reasons why he wasn't comfortable casting Meg Ryan is because she had just worked on the soap opera As the World Turns. And number five, the call sign Viper came from U.S. Navy Rear Admiral Pete Pettigrew. Pat, which one of the five do you think is total bullshit? You've obviously dug deep because I didn't come up with any of half of what you got. So I'm going to go with one. I'm going to go with number one. Okay. And Dylan, which one do you think is bullshit? Uh, I'm going to go with number two. Okay. Uh, Though Pat did sniff out the bullshit this week, uh, I am happy that I was able to at least give you guys some choices that you weren't aware of. So, yes. Dylan, you're wrong, once again. And yeah, Pat, well. you got it right. So there you go, Pat. Yay, nice. wow. Pat. Nice. That's like three in a row for me now. Yes, yes. You wow. He's got a good bullshit better. detector. He does have a good because he works with me. He can sniff <laughs> I was bullshit just going to say, you away. work with Des long enough, and you can pick up <laughs> bullshit from like a mile away. You'd think okay. I'd, be, I'd be an ex- expert by now. <laughs> you know what it is? It's because you're just used to it. It's because she fucking shuts That's me out now. She's learned to ignore me. Well, the <laughs> remind Des to shut up tends to work well, yes. I would imagine. Yes. Okay. All right. With a budget of $15 million and a box office gross of $719 million, Top Gun was a smash hit. Dylan, will you please give us the synopsis? Absolutely. All right. The synopsis goes as follows. The Top Gun Naval Fighter Weapons School is where the best of the best train to refine their elite flying skills. When hotshot fighter pilot Maverick is sent to the school, his reckless attitude and cocky demeanor put him at odds with the other pilots, especially the cool and collected Iceman. But Maverick isn't only competing to be the top fighter pilot, he's also fighting for the attention of his beautiful flight instructor, Charlotte Blackwood. Ugh. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to use the word beautiful loosely there. Let's get some opening thoughts. Wow, wow. She's she's (laughs) yeah, she's a lovely woman. You're being a jerk. She she, she's stunning. Um Okay, Margo Kidder. So this was a tale of two movies. (laughs) 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 Okay. So I'd like to share this with our viewers. So on our sister podcast, Breaking Vinyl, we had a writer, uh, a listener write in, and he was getting on us about how uh we mispronounce song titles and we? he said, well, well, not you guys, cause you're not on the <laughs> podcast, but me and my co-hosts over there okay. get on the, uh, mispronounced song titles for songs off albums. And he said it bothers him so much. It makes him want to jerk his steering wheel into a telephone pole. And he followed it up by calling us bozos. Um, so his, uh, Twitter handle is, uh, S E A. M-U-S underscore M-O-R. So I thought it was Seamus. <laughs> so <laughs> I read his letter on the show and I said Seamus. And then I <laughs> continued to call him Seamus about three or four more times during the episode. So his name is actually, his name is actually Seamus. My uh, wife pointed that out when she came home and saw what I had done. It was too late. I had already published the episode. So I'm guessing Seamus is not going to be pleased when he hears the mispronunciation 
of his name. Not likely. Uh, yeah, I, I, if, if Seamus listens to this episode, I would like to apologize. It was unintentional, but I think it's kind of funny since uh, his You do whole, it all the time. His whole you do it to everybody. Of, yeah, but I mean, how his complaint was about me mispronouncing song names, and then I called him Seamus. So, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway. You're let's, such a moron. I know. I know. It's bad. I hope he realizes oh, that's that it's too fucking funny. not uh, malicious and it's just that I'm dumb. So uh, opening thoughts. So this movie, I hadn't watched this movie in a long time. And I remember really loving this movie. Uh, it was a little bit of a grind this time. Um, this was a tale of two cities for me, basically. We get this great action movie set around jets. And we get this horribly strange romance. Um, yeah, and there's also a little too much dude perspiration in this movie for my taste. Everybody's sweating. <laughs> Everybody's a lot sweating. of sweat. There's a well, lot I'm of sweat. I'm thinking to myself, like the poor people in the Navy, Pat, I'm assuming you can tell me this. They don't have air conditioning in these places. Apparently they probably not. At this point in time, yeah, let me like tell you everybody something. was standing in front of a fan through the whole movie. Pat would have been right at home in this movie because this motherfucker sweats at work like nobody's business. <laughs> oh, Pat no. is like Kevin Euclid up at bat, ninth inning, World Series, three balls, two strikes. He's sweating. Okay, Pat, what are your <sighs> thoughts on the movie? Well, don't, don't first, sweat. Let it. me start by saying I can break a sweat thinking hard. Oh, you can. Oh, yes, one I sweaty can. bastard. Um, yeah, I noticed the same thing. I thought it was strange. Ev almost every scene, everybody was sweating. It didn't matter where they were, in the jet, on the carrier, in the carrier, in the plane, on, on the ground, everywhere. Everybody in was sweating. In the classroom, like, sweating. In the elevator. Unbelievable. In the elevator after a shower. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's, yeah. I, and I'm like, geez, this must have been like horrible AC in the on these sets and wherever they were working, but no, they have far better air control in the carrier and on the navy ships. Now, mind <laughs> you, this was back when they could still smoke on right these ships. Now, That's I crazy. was in the submarine from eighty four to eighty eight, and smoking was still allowed even really? on so, a submarine. In a submarine, so lighting, when you're under in a submarine, so lighting cigarettes in a pressurized submarine, what could go wrong? <laughs> God. As long as you, <laughs> I'm Never stunned. Mind. I'm stunned. Yeah. Yep. And okay. I and I see it. I mean, um, I spoke. People used to smoke on planes, so I guess. Exactly. So Jesus. think of it along the. Yeah. It's, it's that's a good um, comparison Analogy. because yeah. When I first came home from uh, the Navy um, after being on the sub, everyone asked me, "What's it like being on a submarine? It's got to be weird." And I'm like, "Well, do you fly in a plane?" Well, yeah. Well, it's basically the same thing. Once it's yeah. moving. You can't open the doors. Yeah, it's the exact right. opposite. It's sending me way up in the sky, you're way down in the ocean. Let me ask you a question. Do you get seasick uh, if you're like a rookie on a submarine? You can. It depends. Um, once you, the deeper you go, the less motion you feel from the water. That's and what she I, said. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but wow. the first, my first time at sea, I was like queasy, but I didn't vomit. Um, and that was one of the lucky times because I've seen some serious projectile vomiting from seasickness. It is not a pleasant thing to clean up. Thank God I didn't have to do it. So I was never in the Navy, but I did go on a company fishing trip once. 
It's, it's almost the same thing. It's, it's almost the same. It wasn't being um, stationed on a nuclear submarine, but it was close. So <laughs> we we had gone out and partied right. the night before, me and my coworkers, and it was the company fishing trip the next day. So we all went on this little fishing vessel, small one, and uh, they took us out. And I remember as we were going out, you know, where I'm on the bow. That's the front? Yes. I was on the bow doing the... Um, I'm king of the world, like fucking Jack and Titanic. So anyway, we got out to the middle of this choppy water and I got violently, violently (laughs) ill. I mean, so ill, I spent the entire time in this little tiny bathroom just throwing up. Never stopped for six hours. Just threw up nonstop until we got back and I got my feet on shore and I was fine. Interesting. Uh, which is strange because my mother dated a swordfish fisherman uh, in Plymouth <laughs> when I was a child. And we would spend uh, a day or two out on the water on his sword fishing boat. Yeah, but you hadn't been drinking like a fool the night before. There you go. <laughs> I don't okay. believe uh, hangover and ocean travel are a good combination. Yeah, Agreed. probably not. I think we drank some wine too at the dock before we went. We know had some drinks or something. I don't know. This was back sounds in my like younger a good days. Good idea. Back sounds, in my younger sounds days. Sounds brilliant. Okay, can we get back to the movie now? No I mean, I'd love to. I wish we would. All right, Dylan, <laughs> what are your opening thoughts on this stupid movie? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, opening thoughts for this. It's I agree with Des. It's a tale of two movies. You've got this kind of cool fighter jet thing happening, and I'm enjoying that story. Not enjoying the romance so much. It's kind of a little. Um, cringy. Stranger danger. <laughs> it's, yeah, he, he's so pushy. He, he, he makes some moves that are just creepy. And just, if he did it to me, I, I'd, I'd be like, ugh, like not like, Ooh, I'm budding for you. Like, it just was like, <laughs> it's clear a dude wrote this movie, yeah. like has no clue. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, you definitely could have done a romance. Just not like that. Like it was, yeah, it was weird. And also, she's like not showing a ton of interest. And then she finds out that he saw a MIG and she's like, ah, fuck me and tell me about the MIG. It's like, oh, God, no way it's this a, woman is like this. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's questionable the way they wrote her. And it's not her fault. It's the way they wrote her. And that's why I'm saying it's obvious a man wrote it because no woman is going to like you don't tell this guy. No, no, no. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm falling for you. It doesn't happen. But so, she was saying no, no, no with a wink and a smile. Even at well, the she bar, she was saying no, no, no with a wink and a smile because she wanted the information about the Mig and she was trying to get it out of him. <laughs> no, no, but this was even at the at the um, bar before yeah. he knew. Yes, yes, because she's think so. like my I friends disagree. are here. No, she did. She's like my friends are here. Don't quit your, you know, I hope you're a good pilot because you have no chance of being a singer. Wink, wink, smile, smile. She was, she was giving them mixed signals. Not really. Okay. Let's get into this bitch. Let's get into this bitch. Uh, Also, I would be amiss if I didn't mention that no matter what we say during this episode, you cannot understate the effect that this movie has had on pop culture. I mean, it has echoes in pop culture. I mean, it, it, it wasn't hot shots all based on Top Gun. That the that oh, yeah. movies thing was all paid yeah, on Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. So you like there's like echoes through pop culture. Um the animated series Archer literally talks about Top Gun at least three or four times a season. Yeah, and so, in Meet the Parents, fucking 
uh, Pam and uh, her ex fiance oh, yeah. are doing, you know, nice setup, Maverick. Thanks, Iceman. <laughs> yeah. Top Gun was so, a very popular movie when me and Kevin dated. So, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, so it's it's got echoes through pop culture, regardless of whatever we say, you know. Yes. Uh, danger zone, you know, like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you just have, you definitely have to say that too, because it's with the amount of success it had, obviously it's going to have echoes into our pop culture. So that's all. I just wanted to say that. Its popularity also had a huge effect on uh, Navy recruitment. Absolutely. Um, I read it, uh, the amount of people now signing up looking to be naval aviators went up to like 500% above normal because of this. And that's why the Navy got behind this movie and helped them make it. Yeah, it uh, makes sense. Yeah, exactly. The only thing the Navy didn't like is uh, there was a lot of liberties taken with rules and regulations. Oh, dude, and oh, it's a fucking huge problem. I read, I read like 79 departures from protocol of the things that would have gotten pilot, real pilots into serious, serious trouble. Yeah, and right. I, I didn't like the way Maverick's character was written in this movie. It's so unrealistic for a fucking... Obnoxious is the for word. A, for an elite... An elite fighter pilot. This guy has absolutely. Who's looking to live up to his dad's reputation or precede his dad's reputation. You're going to act like a a Yahoo. Like we're going to get into it, but that should have been the subplot of the movie with, um, with, uh, the, uh, the higher up, his higher up that knew that flew with his dad. That should have been. Yes, Tom Scarrett. That should have been the subplot of this movie. They should have taken out the love thing and they should have, the mystery Focused of finding his dad. out yeah, who his dad was, the story behind his dad and Tom Skerritt, instead of having it be like a tiny little exposition drop after Goose dies, this should have been unfolding along yeah, with, the, with the fighting part, the, the pilot part. Okay. All right, so well, let's, let's get, get into it. All right. So the aircraft carrier USS Enterprise is on patrol near the Persian Gulf when radar contact is made with a MiG fighter. The combat air patrol of the Enterprise is sent out to meet the incoming aircraft. The patrol consists of F-14 Tomcat interceptors, each manned by a pilot and a radar intercept officer, also known as an Azurio. The pilot of the lead plane is Flight Lieutenant Peter Maverick Mitchell, Tom Cruise, a call sign appropriate for his arrogant rule-bending attitude, and his Rio is Lieutenant Nicholas Goose Bradshaw, played by Anthony Edwards. The second F-14 is piloted by Bill Cooler Cortell uh, and Sam Merlin Wells as the Rio. The two F-14s split up and are surprised when a second MiG, shielded by uh, shielded from radar by riding within feet of its leader, appears. Cougar is outmaneuvered by the MiG-1, while Maverick locks his missile radar on MiG-2, who promptly disengages. MiG-1 stays on Cougar and is only chased off when Maverick flies upside down, closes up on the MiG, and gives the enemy the bird. The MiG disengages and the two Tomcats fly to the Enterprise, but Cougar is so rattled he cannot land, forcing Maverick, low on fuel and against orders, to abort his own landing and talk Cougar back to the deck. So, Des, as far as opening scenes go, this one is engaging. You know, like, I enjoy the stuff when they're up in the plane. Um, you meet the main character. You know what kind of guy he is right away. He breaks rules, you know. Uh, also, the part with Cougar having trouble focusing on getting the plan back on deck is really effective. You know, they're doing that thing where the ship is out of balance and it's making you feel a little unsettled. It feels kind of like a real panic attack, you know, the way they shot it. Absolutely. I felt the panic. I felt the, I felt like I was going to have trouble watching him land that plane on the ship. So before we get started, I'm going to assign everybody a call name. I am going to be Iceman. Matt, 
you are going to be Maverick. And Delin, you're going to be Merlin. Okay. So everybody's got their call signs. Go ahead. You eat a bag of dicks, Maverick. <laughs> Mark that. Mark that. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to remember um, the movie that came from. Because so, I know it's from a movie. Uh, I don't know. I just, right. I've heard it so many times, it makes me laugh. <laughs> All right. So this opening scene, uh, right off the bat, we're going to see Maverick gets Locke on this MiG pilot, right? And the MiG pilot just, I mean, I feel like everybody in this situation, including everybody in the control room, knows that this is just a game you play when this happens. You put Locke on someone to say, you know, I could have fucking taken you out. Everybody knows no one's going to shoot. We're not going to start a world war here. This is just basically almost war games. But, you know, they're putting lock on each other and they know they're not going to shoot. So the Maverick gets the lock and the MiG flies away because that's what you do. So the MiG gets lock on Cougar. You're telling me this is the first time Cougar's heard of it? Was his first day? The guy fucking completely comes unraveled and can't even fly a jet. At this point, it's not realistic for a, for the best of the best. I mean, this is the choice for top gun. This is the guy. And he's going to come apart like that because a guy put lock on him for two minutes. Right. No, no way. No. The, uh, the MIG pilot had no problem. The MIG pilot was like, fuck you. So, uh, I thought that was, I didn't like that, but I will say the actor that played, um, that played Cougar did a great job of selling it. I thought it was a great acting job. Um, yeah. So I, I enjoyed that. Um, yeah. So that was my thought. I would have to got? say, I would have to say, I agree with a lot of what you had to say. Um, just consider the amount of time the big pilot had lock on Cougar. It seemed like an endless, endless minutes. Yeah. If this guy was going to shoot Cougar out of the sky, he would have done so the moment he got locked. Absolutely. The fact that Cougar cannot pick up on the idea that this guy's just fucking with him for yeah. the amount of time that he was doing this is is sad. But obviously, for the story, you need Cougar to lose lose his grip. Right. Um, well, and and though, um, well, yeah. All right, go ahead. I don't want to. I don't want to shoot. My <laughs> I also like to mention that the actor who played Cougar was also in Christine by Stephen yes. King. Yes, I loved oh. him in that. I loved him in that part. The face was, was very say, familiar. I was going to say, Cougar and and uh, Maverick, they're getting orders, do not fire unless fired upon. And you know these big pilots are getting the same orders. Of course, nobody wants to their... start a war in the middle of nowhere. That's what I'm saying. It's like, this. there's just no way this is what makes Cougar come unraveled. You know how much work this guy's done to get to where he's at? And I got another question. How come... In all these situations, like this one, in at the end of the movie, they're going with rookies. You're telling me there's no other fucking like uh, more senior fighter pilots out there with uh, you know combat experience that would be doing these fucking maneuvers? Just because they look young doesn't mean they were around for any actual life or death combat. Oh, you're saying so these guys might not be total green rookies? No, they they're good pilots, or they okay. wouldn't be doing what they're doing. They just haven't come into actual combat. Well, I guess I was confused maybe by the Top Gun thing being uh, 
asked to come into Top Gun because it made them feel like they were like completely green newbie no, pilots. No, they're taking good pilots that are already active and bringing them to this thing to elevate them. Right. Okay. Well, that's those, why we do the podcast. That's why those, we talk it out. The guys that the pilots that go to Top Gun are the one percenters. Top okay. Gun makes one percent out of the one percenters okay. with what they teach. Okay. So these guys are the best of the best. They, yeah, basically. They okay, just have never been put to the test until this movie takes place later gotcha. on. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, that was why I was confused. So, Delenn, what do you think of All this right. scene? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's a great opening scene. For me, it engaged me right away. Um, you know, and you really do get a, a very quick primer into who Maverick is. Like, he breaks the rules constantly. That's just what he does, you know? And you know that going into this five minutes in. So... Yeah, good good opening scene. Yeah. All right. Shall it we move on? You. Yeah. So Cougar sees the captain of the Enterprise, Tom Stinger Jordan, and turns in his wings. The incident has left Cougar rattled and he feels he can't fly combat any longer. Stinger is forced to change his intended disciplinary action against Maverick, for he must send a Tomcat tandem for additional combat training at the Navy's Fighter Weapons School in Miramar near San Diego. And the captain is plainly disgusted that Maverick is the only qualified candidate for the assignment. Maverick, however, is quietly overjoyed as he regards the assignment as an opportunity for advancement. And upon arrival, begins a rival. Uh, uh, sorry. And upon uh. arrival, begins a rivalry with fellow Tomcat pilot Lieutenant Tom Iceman Kaczynski, played by Val Kilmer, and his Rio Ron Slider Kerner, played by Rick Rosovich. At a bar the night after their first day at school, Maverick notices Charlotte Blackwood, played by Kelly McGillis, and hits on her by serenading her and following her into the ladies' room. It seems not to work until the next day she appears at school, revealing herself to be Charlie, a previously unseen DOD flight instructor that Maverick had assumed to be a man. Though technically a civilian, she has mastered the flight simulator where she's beaten several actual pilots. So, Pat, I have two thoughts here. One is that Val Kilmer is already acting circles around Tom Cruise just in this first scene alone. And the second one is, if a woman's told you no, don't follow her into the restroom because that is a creepy move and it's one of the first... One one of the first and many that Maverick makes in this movie. There's a lot of character traits about Maverick that I just didn't like. Des knows that I have no tolerance for obnoxious and arrogance. <laughs> Why are and you friends with him then? <laughs> I know. How the hell does that happen? Um, <laughs> so so Maverick's Maverick's character at the bar was just like, what the fuck? So cringy. There's just no need for that. Um, The entire, again, like you had said in the beginning, the entire romance scene between Maverick and Charlie is so unnecessary for this movie. Why why does he lead a love interest? Why is that necessary for this kind of movie? And there's no chemistry. There's no chemistry between these actors. I mean, who was it? Um... Kelly McGillis. Kelly McGillis. No, Ro- Roger Ebert even said that this this romance scene was. It's like they were trying to build off of um, Officer and a Gentleman. Yeah. Oh. And and because it was military, they thought they were trying to build off of that with this scene, but it just it didn't fit. It didn't no. fit the movie. It didn't fit the way this the movie was written and the and what the movie was all about. Yeah, because so, in an officer and a gentleman, fucking you had Richard Gere 
these were amazing actors playing this amazing roles. The movie had a completely different tone to it and it worked. And it was a subplot in a movie that was uh, just, you can't even put these two movies in the same conversation. Exactly. But they were trying to build off of that. And I agree with you, Des. The Pete Mitchell, the whole stigma behind Pete Mitchell from the word go in this movie is his dad died under suspicious circumstances in in the war. And, and his he, name is a bit mud, too. Right. So he is living in this behind this dark shadow and he's trying to get out from under it. it the movie would have made a hell of a lot better subplot having Viper talking to Maverick, not just once, but through the movie in different points in time, filling him in on what his dad actually, what actually happened to his dad. That would have made a huge difference in the way this character developed. Instead, yeah. he's fighting, he's fighting this, this ghost that he has no understanding of, and he's, he's finding solace in the arms of an instructor. Yeah. First off, there's no fucking way a Navy contractor is getting involved with a pilot. Yeah. That's not going to happen. No, none of this not. is going to happen. It's garbage. Right. Uh, I mean, just like, just like since I've still got the, uh, still got the mic, um, just simple things like the flyby in the beginning of the movie that in the real world would have gotten the pilot stat flight status revoked and his wings taken away. You don't do shit like that. Yeah, so what just, happens when you get a pass and then you do it again? Right, right. You do it a second time. The yeah. best thing about the flyby scene was listening to the air boss screaming and shouting to Viper about the two pilots and their jackass move. And the look on Maverick and Goose's face while they're hearing this clearly through the glass was priceless. Yeah. Um, all right. So in this scene... We're going to get them uh, in the office, you know, being told they're going to be going to Top Gun, but they're getting uh, reprimanded. And at one point, the um, the higher ranking officer is saying to Maverick about, you know, talks about an admiral's daughter. And, you know, Goose kind of leans over and starts joking like, hey, you never told me about the admiral's daughter. It's like, you guys are standing in front of a super high ranked officer. Captain. Of the Captain, Enterprise. You're getting your fucking asses handed to you, and you're just going to ignore them and start like joking, like on a sidebar. Get the yeah, fuck out of here. Not happening. And I rolled my eyes, and I get it. It's the flavor and the temperature of the movie. It's a comedy up until Goose dies. It's a drama comedy up until It's actually Goose described dies. as a comedy action. I hated it uh, for that reason. I really <laughs> wish that they. No, because there's a great there's a great movie here. I wish they had followed the formula of an officer and a gentleman, because you would have got possibly uh, cinematic gold here. But it, we didn't. Well, the thing is, is that it's not funny enough to be a comedy. It's not. Like, there's there's no comedy written into it. So no, if you're trying to run an action comedy, it's not it's not funny. Yeah, like, I'll no. tell you what. Did you find yourself I, laughing out loud at any point? No. Um, no. I, I'll tell you what scene I really enjoyed is when Maverick is racing the um, the jet down the tarmac and he's on his motorcycle. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a Kawasaki Ninja GPZ 900R. Um, and then, then in the in the reboot of Top Gun or the sequel, um, Maverick is now riding 
the Ninja H2 Carbon, which is currently the fastest production motorcycle. So a couple motorcycle facts for any of you motorcycle nerds out there. And I'd like to interject that there's no way in hell he is going to be allowed to be anywhere near the fucking <laughs> runway, whether uh, he's on foot no, or on a motorcycle. He wasn't. He wasn't on the runway. It was a road that ran parallel to the uh, to there the tarmac. There is no. There is no such thing as a road that runs parallel to those tarmacs. <laughs> and and literally, literally, they counted seventy nine different incidents that would have absolutely ruined an officer's career had they actually did something like this in real life from this movie. Oh, yeah. man. That's a lot. Yeah. That is his, a lot. His behavior is, is a joke. All right, let's keep rolling. All right, so in his first <laughs> exercise, Maverick takes on the school's resident quote-unquote enemy pilot, LTC Richard Jester Heatherly, played by Michael Ironside, and succeeds in outmaneuvering him and shooting him down, but in doing so, he flies below a set minimum engagement altitude, also known as a hard deck. And then compounds this faux pas by buzzing a flight tower at low altitude just to show off. Everyone is snapping at Maverick for this hotshot attitude, including Iceman calling him unsafe. Both Maverick and Goose listen while Jester and their commanding officer, Michael uh, Viper Metcalf, I'm sorry, Commander Michael Viper Metcalf, played by Tom Skerritt, are chewed out by the tower's commanding officer. Then the reaming continues in Viper's office where Mav and Goose get dressed down by Viper. Later that night, Goose explains to Maverick that graduating and not blowing this chance is important to him because he's got a family to take care of. Goose mentions that he thinks Maverick is always trying to outfly his father's ghost every time they go into the air. So, uh, Des, it's funny because the way this movie is shot, Maverick is the guy you're supposed to be rooting for. He is the main character. But you shoot this movie from Iceman's point of view, and Maverick is a super bad guy. Maverick is a super bad guy. He's not, he's not good, but uh, we didn't talk about um, where Charlie is revealed to be the instructor. So the whole platoon is sitting in the, uh, in the hangar and she's going to walk down the middle of the aisle and they're going to realize that the woman he was basically hitting on at the bar and following into the bathroom is yeah. the instructor. Yeah. Once again, you um, didn't pay attention when I was speaking because I did put that at the end of the last segment. But okay, you keep going. <laughs> oh, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> I mean, so so we didn't it. discuss yeah. it. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps, you, uh, perhaps you did um, mumble it at the end of that scene. <laughs> no, but, I didn't. But perhaps you mumbled and stuttered it out the way you read these segments, but that's okay. No, I mean, though technically a civilian, she has mastered the flight simulator. Charlie, what? the previously unseen DOD flight instructor. Yeah, what? I talked about wait, her. Wait, no, tell us. Tell us how she comes down. The, <laughs> read the scene again. Oh, uh, Jesus. It seems not to work until the next day she appears at the school, revealing herself to be Charlie, a previously unseen DOD flight instructor that Maverick has assumed to be male, though technically a civilian. All right, we all heard it the first yeah. time. Yeah, we all did hear it the first <laughs> time, except for you, because you weren't fucking paying attention. You fucking hey, went out again on limb and said, oh, you didn't talk about this when I did. I feel like you guys are ganging up on me. Okay. Uh, I feel like why. you're not paying attention, and then you're telling me I didn't talk about it, and I did. And you wonder so. why this takes so long. Okay. Um, so Goose is explaining about how they did the inverted fly over the MIG. And, um, I love, you know, Iceman <clears throat> bullshit, you know, he's like, no, it's true. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, 
So Charlie asks, you know, what were you doing while you were inverted uh, relations? Yeah. Uh, flipping him the bird. And then Goose is going to give the instructor the middle finger. God, God, I rolled my eyes again. There's no respect. Like in the military, respect is like huge. These two have no respect, no boundaries. They don't respect any of their uppers. It was just, it was bad. Um, But then she goes, that was you. Like the legend of Maverick. It's like, oh, fuck this. All right. Okay. So that's okay. I, okay. That's but don't I you had. agree that he's he's basically the villain in the movie, even though it's he his is. story? But because uh, he's constantly doing fucking terrible shit. He is. Um, not maliciously, just because his ego is like the like the guy says, son, your ego is writing checks your ass can't cash. You know, yeah. this is just who this guy is, which is you, why he wouldn't be a fucking fighter pilot in the Navy because yeah, they wouldn't, wouldn't have a man like this there. No. And like if you write you this can't... movie from anybody else's perspective. He's the bad guy. Yeah. Iceman's he, not the bad guy. He's the bad guy. Well, Iceman gets goose killed, but we'll get to it. <laughs> I don't think okay, so. Like... Oh, he does. He does. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. No, actually. I, I disagree. The script. Listen, the script got goose killed because the way he died never would have fucking happened. No. Never. Oh yeah, thank no, you, oh, oh, Absolutely, the canopy would never come off like that. It couldn't happen. But there's no way he's ejecting into it. But they needed it for the story. Yeah. And you're gonna blame Iceman because yeah, I'm gonna blame Iceman to. because fucking he held his position way too long trying to keep Maverick from getting the winning shot. He waited and waited and basically drew them into his fucking exhaust fucking wave and then pulled out very last second. Google it. Google it. Uh, I'm going to say that Maverick was Google too it. close. It was the equivalent of fucking rear-ending somebody. Listen, he was too Google close. He was Google. too close. He was too close. <clears throat> Don't Google. Don't yes. you dare Google. Yes. I'm, I'm muting you right now. You, I'm, muting you. Mute me I'm muting you. you. Don't I'm muting you. I'm muting you. You're muted. Whose fault was it? Did you Google me? <laughs> Who's... <laughs> Who the hell would Google you? Whose, whose fault was it that Goose died? Maverick's or Iceman's? According to IMDb, in actuality, it was Tom Iceman Kazinski's fault. You're gonna tell me. So Google's how come wrong? they didn't? Uh, how come they didn't court-martial him? You know, it's funny. I actually wrote that. How come his actions were never even discussed in the court? He yeah, was. He got. A, he won okay. the plaque. He won the plaque. Okay. If if you want to go to that point, you also have to agree that Delin is also right. Maverick was too close. To Iceman's plane. If if Iceman had pulled in a different direction, instead of going up, if he had dived down, then Maverick would have continued up and he never would have gone through Iceman's wash. The way he broke off that plane and turned up, uh, Maverick had no, no choice but to fly into it because he was too close. So you can, you can spin it any way you want. You can blame either one of them. The fact is, as far as I'm concerned, they should have had Goose die in a different manner. During a class, Charlie and Maverick debate fighter tactics. Mav presses her for dinner, and she says no, that she doesn't date students. However, she gives him a piece of paper with her address and an invite to dinner at 5.30 that night. 
Mav needs to squeeze in a few rounds of beach volleyball first, so he shows up late, stinking like a sweaty boy. Oh boy. She still lets him in for dinner. She presses him for information about the encounter with the Meg. They have a conversation about Maverick's father and his disappearance before he takes his stinky boy body home to take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> The next day they cross paths on base and again he has a stinky boy body but Charlie tries to drop him and Maverick just seems oblivious to the fact. Meanwhile Goose's family flies in to spend some time with him. So Pat, was there a lot of beach volleyball in your time in the Navy? Uh, no. No, there was not. <laughs> how, about, how about hanging around the locker room in your underpants snapping towels? Uh, no, no. That's, uh, <laughs> submariners didn't like to be that close because mm-hmm. you're already too close yeah i guess right makes sense makes there sense. is yeah. a bonus though the bonus for being a submariner is when you weren't at sea you lived in a barracks you didn't because there were there weren't enough beds for the entire crew hmm. if you were on a surface ship that's where you lived if you didn't have off-base housing Wow. And I can't imagine how bad that would suck. Hmm. The idea of being tied up to the pier, you go in for duty, duty shift is over, you go back to your barracks room, you do what you want. It's a four-man room, but you've got a common room TV, you've got a game room with pool tables downstairs. It's not living on a ship. Right. Yeah. God. Yeah. For three and a half years, that would have sucked. So yeah. I was never stationed on a battleship, but I did go on a cruise to <laughs> Bermuda. Um, on a battleship. Carnival cruise. And, really? Uh, very, very similar. Yeah, so, yes. Very similar. Uh, my, uh, my room was actually very nice. I, I could have lived in that room. Okay. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so I hated this scene at, uh, at Charlie's house. She's wearing these goofy cowboy boots. And... I am literally feeling zero chemistry between these two characters and between these two actors. She felt too old. She was not like a starlet looking uh, movie star. I mean, yeah, she's, she's pretty. I'm not going to say this actress is ugly because she's not, but she's not. um, I, she seemed too old, even though she was 29 at the time. And uh, Tom Cruise was 22. It doesn't seem like a huge gap, but she looked to me more like in her mid thirties and Tom Cruise looked like a baby 22. It just wasn't working for me um, at all. And the acting, you could just feel that they were pressing this, uh, this love affair. I mean, I could have done, I could have let go of the age gap because I don't think that age gap is a big a deal, especially because she is a, an accomplished woman with a professional career. Um, yes. But the fact that there was zero chemistry between the two of them, it just, just again, the writing didn't play towards it. And no. they just, I just didn't feel it. Yeah. And, and when she course. finally, and when she finally says to him, I have a secret, we're going to get to it after he throws this hissy fit. But when she says, you know, I've fallen in love with you. It's like, when, when yeah. I've been watching this movie, when did that happen? <laughs> yeah. So, all right, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. It's go very ahead. odd. And again, I got to be honest with you. You press this girl for a date, she finally gives you the date, probably because she wants more information about the MIG than you. But anyways, she gives you the date, and you show up late and stinky. Yeah. Dude, there's no way that she's going to end up continuing to date him. It's just not going to happen, period. She would have been like, okay, I got what I wanted out of him about the MIG. We're done here. We're good. Yeah. Go ahead, Yeah. Matt. Yeah. This right. just, that whole scene, he's going right from the volleyball 
to Charlie's house. Yeah. In what world does that make sense? He's trying to hook up with this girl and his no, it's mindset. Perfect, Pat. Pat, you're missing that. You're missing the oldest play in the book. Dude, he goes his there and mindset. Goes, no, he gets no, to her no, house no, no, and no. says, See? he gets to her house and says, I'm going to take a shower first. And he fucking gets in her shower naked. It's a play, dude. It's the oldest no, play in the book. He says he's going to take a shower. And she says, I do mind. You can't do that. Yeah, but so he was he, trying to pull the move on He her. was trying to, but of she course. wasn't having it. Yeah. She was like, eh-eh. You can which sit there brings and stink. Me, which brings me back to my dislike for parts of his character. Yeah. He's arrogant and he's obnoxious. Now, mind yeah. you, he's a great pilot. Is with, he? Oh. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Please. During, an, during another class, Charlie roasts Mavericks flying, but later she tells him she saw a genius in what he did, but couldn't say that in front of everyone because they'd all know she was falling for him. Bullshit. I don't know how. Oh, garbage. Uh, he kisses her and takes her home. Bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, yeah. No, no. They have a reckless race through the streets. Yes, as true. Running red lights yes. and uh, putting everybody's life in danger. P.S. Can we talk about her car, though? Ugh. Give me that car. What did she get it from? Awesome. Did did you get it from? Uh, From Reggie Hammond. Reggie Hammond. There you go. (laughs) What? That's what I'm going to say. What did she get it from? Reggie Hammond, for Christ's sake? It's Reggie Hammond's car. Who's Reggie Hammond? 48 Hours. That's fucking. Is that Reggie Hammond's car? Yes. I love that car. car. I love that color. I think, same color, I think, same model. Yeah, I think the car is the star of the show, quite frankly. I want that car. Anyways, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, it just shows how fucking, how like weak this man's personality is. He gets so butthurt by her like questioning his flying ability in front of this class that he's going to throw a complete hissy fit. Yes. And and literally child. risk He's lives. a child. He's a child. And then she says, it's okay. I think your flying is genius. And he's like, okay. And she's like, and I have another secret. I've fallen in love with you. And then then there's this fucking scene. I I literally couldn't watch it. With them them having sex, with this kissing. I literally could not watch it. I was like, it was nauseating. (laughs) There was... Throwing up in your mouth a little? I was. It was fucking awful. There was no chemistry. Oh. I skipped every single scene with Charlie in it. Now, mind you, if you've never seen this movie before, it's part of the story, it's part of the character makeup. But when you have seen it as many times as Des and I have seen it, all you're looking for is the action. Yeah. The fighter scenes, the planes, everything. And mind you, I want to, I, I didn't get a chance to make this comment earlier, but the opening scene, when they're talking about how they've never been that close to a MiG-28, yeah, that plane in other than the paint job, was an old F5. It's oh, American-made. It? Oh, shit. It's, let me see. It's a, a Northrop F5. And Yeah, uh, see, we're, we're, we're dummy, non-military people. We have no clue. Exactly. <laughs> but that's what, was, that that's what was so it. good about this. Because at the time, the F-14 was the biggest, baddest plane the Navy had. It was, it was multi-useful for air-to-air as well as air-to-ground. Not every plane they had was capable of that. And the fact that it was the first plane with swept back wings. So it could achieve hypersonic speeds. So So I got, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, because this plane was the biggest and baddest plane in the air at the time. That's why 
I think one of the reasons why the movie was as popular as was. Oh yeah, well the motorcycle too. I mean that that's legendary. That that Kawasaki Ninja. I mean it's had all the fun the fun stuff like that. So I feel like the director made I missed an opportunity here because um, we're gonna get this MIG pilot in the final scene, and you know he's an ace, obviously. So I wish in the beginning of the movie, rather than Cougar having the nervous breakdown and not being able to fly and resigning, I wish we had got a little bit more like visual on this MIG pilot, right? Like, let's say this MIG ace from the beginning of the movie, like they could give him like a recognizable, like sticker on his helmet that says like, you know, we recognize it's his call sign, like Maverick or whatever, but it would be the Russian version. And he could have shot Cougar down. And killed him, this ace. And then at the end of the movie, we could have had Maverick and this ace going at it one-on-one. And ace finally taking this ace MIG pilot down in revenge for Cougar's death. I think that would have been better than what we got. Maybe. Maybe. I mean... <laughs> maybe okay maybe okay it would have Go definitely ahead and rewrite been a it. better action scene but that means now see the thing is one it's hard to even put these scenes like that into into uh a fluid line simply because the entire time cougar was locked on by this mig did you notice he's flying in a straight line he's making absolutely no effort whatsoever no to break lock. Well, None I do at notice. All. I do notice a lot of unnecessary barrel rolls in this movie, <laughs> which is it's something showy. that doesn't happen either. Yeah, of course, yeah. but it's for the movie. I mean, look at it this way: when uh, when they made this movie, they hired Grumman, the cre- uh, the maker of the F fourteen, to make camera pods to attach to these planes. So every scene that you see that looks like the camera is underneath the plane, looking ahead or looking behind, those were those were added on to these planes by the maker just for these scenes. Right. Which, I mean, other than, other than uh, the ground scenes, they had ground-to-air cameras, which obviously you can tell where those were, but some of the better scenes were when they were using a Learjet to film the planes that you see. Like whenever you see a scene with a, um, you see the birds themselves in the air, flying in the air. There's a Learjet like uh, 50 yards away recording all of this. That's kind of cool, it's, though. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's one of the the the, the flight scenes is what made the movie for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you had to watch one movie again, Pat, uh, would you rather watch Iron Eagle? Or Top Gun. If you had to watch it, if you had to watch it front to back, you can't you can't fast forward. You gotta watch the whole movie right after the podcast. Put it on, you gotta watch the whole thing. What are you watching? Iron Eagle or Top Gun? As sad as it may seem for some listeners, I would go with Iron Eagle. Oh, a hundred times over. I love that movie. <laughs> it, it was very entertaining. There was less less things about it seemed impossible to happen as opposed to the things that happened in this movie. No, I mean, that, that I can't, that I can't go with that. I can't go with. There's I no think I said that masters. wrong. I yeah. think I said that wrong. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Doug <laughs> masters doesn't get his hands on a MIG at 16, but that's flying a mission overseas. But, uh, 
I, all right. So if you had to take one character as your wingman into combat, are you taking I mean, Doug Masters or Maverick? Maverick. Oh, get the fuck. Doug Masters all day. This kid's a virtuoso. Okay. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> all I would right. take Maverick because he's dangerous. Oh, God, I would take... <laughs> All right, so the contest between Maverick and Iceman continues. In a later exercise, Viper and Jester team up against Maverick and fellow F-14 pilot Hollywood. Maverick breaks a cardinal rule by abandoning his wingman to go after Viper, and in doing so, Hollywood is shot down, and then the same fate befalls Maverick. Iceman tells Maverick that he's worse than any enemy before Goose, his family, Maverick, and Charlie go out for some drinks, because, of course, you take a child to a bar. Mm. Uh, though Meg Ryan still the has time. the same... <laughs> though Meg Ryan still has the same dress on and the flower Goose gave her at the airport so I assume the scene initially was meant to be earlier in the movie they didn't uh, edit it well enough for me to not catch it so Des the, the only comment I have at this point is that Maverick can't get out of his own way it's like he just he refuses to listen he refuses to do anything by protocol and it's just annoying at this point I hated Meg Ryan's character in this and she's a better <laughs> actress than this the fucking I thought accent. she was super cute I'm, well, Meg Ryan is super cute. I'm not talking about the way she looks. I'm talking about her character. It was written so dumb. Her accent was dumb. It didn't sound good. Her character was dumb. She had no personality. It was Did just you like awful. this movie? Oh, God. I, Did you actually like this movie? I didn't like her character. And I didn't like all these different scenes where we had to watch people sing songs at a piano. I, it was... <laughs> Dude, it was fucking No, I agree. Brutal. It's 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 cringy and kind of like, uh, like and you know on top of it, they really did not do well by the few women that are in this movie. No, you know? No, they they did not. They did they not. They did and not. They did not write them well. They they they're set they're set dressing. They're set yeah, dressing. Yeah. And, and the problem I have with this too is Val Kilmer is up to the task of this movie and his character is very good and he's playing it very good. This is what I would expect to see out of a, uh, you know, a Naval uh, jet pilot fighter pilot. And I felt like Tom Cruise was just trying too hard to keep up with Val Kilmer. Uh, he was playing it over the top and it felt like it felt cheesy. It was beneath Tom Cruise. The, the performance was not up to snuff. Agreed. Pat, any thoughts, any feelings, or are you just kind of uh, with us at this point? Well, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how many movies had Val Kilmer done prior to this movie? Um, and I'm not sure, cause, honestly. Because I think this might have only been Tom Cruise's third movie. I mean, he's only 22 in it, so... He got, he got the script to this movie while filming Legend. That's crazy. And Legend oh, I love was Legend. after Risky Business. <sighs> So this has, that's why I'm thinking this is like his third movie. Yeah. What about cocktails? Do we know when that came out? I think that came out after this. Cause if I remember right, he looked older in that movie than he looks in this. Yeah, don't I mean, get me wrong. He Val looks Kilmer, like he was from Risky Business. Yeah. Well, Val Kilmer had done Top Secret. He had done some after school specials. He did Real Genius. Loved and it. then, and then Top Gun was the next one. And he and had not. Yeah. He, well, he hasn't, he does that far later. He does Willow in between that. Uh, yeah. He does the doors before that. He does. Right. He's uh, in True Romance, so you know he's and then he gets up to Batman Forever. So, 
I oh, and he was in just... Tombstone. Oh my God, Tombstone. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my oh, God, he's so dark. good in Tombstone. He's so good. You know, Absolutely you forget awesome. what a great actor Val Kilmer was. His Amazing. problem was he took bad roles. You know, he could have been a much, much bigger actor than he was. He took shitty roles. He had a few good ones like Doc Holliday and Iceman. Ugh. But yeah, Doc Holliday was, oh. That movie is just, just, uh, and him it, in it is it so good. To, when it comes to modern day Westerns, there are three that come to my mind. Tombstone, mm-hmm. Silverado, yep. okay. and more recently, The Magnificent Seven with Chris Pratt. I haven't seen okay. it. Okay. You have not seen mm. Magnificent Seven with Chris Pratt. No, I'll check it out. That, it's a remake of a Yul Brynner movie. Yeah, I remember That's the original. Yeah, the yeah. original. Well, the remake. If you've never seen it, check it out because I will. the cast the cast is incredible, and the storyline is really awesome. Mm, have nice. either of you guys seen uh, the Man from Toronto yet? Oh God! Oh my God! Is he asking you to watch it too? Oh, he's, he's trying he's, to push it on me and push it on me and push I it on me. I can't get a day by without. Even if I don't work with him, I'll get a text. Have you seen the man from Toronto yet? I literally, when he does this, I dig my heels in and I don't watch it, even if I would enjoy it because he's being annoying. I think when, that might be why I haven't seen it yet. I just do it subconsciously. Why do you yeah. guys even do a movie podcast? I tell you these great movies and you'd rather like, do I would rather play like our video no, game? No, 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 no. Well, don't movies. even go there. <laughs> don't hey, even I go listen, there. I listened to you about Hypnotic. Yes. That was a phenomenal movie. And, and, and Man from Toronto was even better. Okay, yeah, well then I will, I will don't search for push. it. You know what? I'll be honest with you. The reason why I haven't seen it yet, because it's going to take me an hour to type in the man from Toronto in the search box. (laughs) And I just don't, I can't be bothered. See, this is something that Des doesn't understand is that when you say to somebody, hey, you should watch this movie because it was really good. And the person goes, oh, okay, I'll check it out. If you come down an hour later and go, hey, have you watched the man from Toronto yet? (laughs) You literally just want to punch him in the throat. And it just makes you not want to watch the movie. Punch him oh, in the throat. Yeah, Delin attacked me today. Delin attacked me today. She choked me. Okay, first Again? of all, this bitch, I made... I, <laughs> sorry, Pat. Oh, my God. I should have known better than to try to drink my coffee then. So this bitch, I said to him, what do you want for lunch? We can either have this or we can have that. And he picked one. And so I went to make it, and then I realized it was chicken quesadillas. I said, "Oh, we're out of, we've we're out of tortillas. I've only got one." I said, "So I'll make you a quesadilla, and I'll make myself something else, or we can split it, or whatever." And he threw such a fucking hissy fit over this fucking quesadilla situation. He just, it just, I don't want it. You're gonna stink up the house, and he's gonna get all smoky. And he went, he pushed me to the edge. Yeah, he so pushed then, me to the edge. So I attacked him. Yeah. No. So so then I from I, I went into the bathroom, having some private time, taking a shit, and I yelled through the door, "Okay, I'll have half a quesadilla and salad." <laughs> I love that you so, like this rewriting of the way he went down. So Dylan <laughs> okay. gets so angry. Yeah, and a salad. Yeah, that's what you did. Dylan gets so angry. She literally kicks the bathroom door in. No, no, I didn't. While I'm sitting there on the toilet no, I taking a dump. Oh no, I didn't. Okay, no, okay. I, so what? He did was the in door the open? He was in the bathroom going. And I said, what did you say? I said, I can't hear you. You've got the door shut. So then. What? He, How did the door get open? Hold on. Hold on. 
So I go to the door and I uh, said, I can't hear you. He's I can't not hear you. No, I didn't say I can't hear you. I said, I can't hear you. There you go. There you go. That's how you so said then, it. You kicked the door open. No, I didn't. I opened the door. It was The door was locked. No, it wasn't. Oh, it, I always locked the door. It was not you locked. You know you have to kick that door to open it when it's locked. You fucking did not kick, kick that it. door open. I didn't kick it. All right. I didn't oh kick it. Muscled it open. I opened the door okay. and told you that you were being a pain in the ass because you were. Okay, what you was know I how doing? the door got open, Des? She trained the cat to pick the lock. <laughs> she kicked the door open and exposed me on the toilet. I didn't. Okay, yeah, let's, I let's didn't. move on there, Relax. Ice Man. Relax. Okay, moving on. Unfortunately, the worst is yet to come. In the last <laughs> test of the Top Gun school, Maverick is teamed with Iceman. Maverick, determined to win the contest, angrily chews out Iceman for taking too long to attack an enemy craft. Maverick takes the shot, but when the two air- aircraft get close, the backwash from Iceman's thrusters cripple Maverick's engine, and the F-14 plunges towards the sea. Both Mav and Goose are disoriented, and Goose just barely reaches the emergency ejection handles. When the fighter canopy pops open, the two pilots eject, but Goose's head crashes into the canopy, and it kills him instantly. Maverick is devastated by Goose's death, and though an inquiry clears him of wrongdoing, his confidence is destroyed. Goose's wife tells him he should keep flying because Goose would want him to, but Maverick cleans out his locker and leaves after he's unable to perform any routine flight exercise. Charlie finds him at the airport and tries to talk him out of it, but he lets her leave, thinking that he's um, thinking that he's gone. She's gone, gotten a job in Washington and is leaving soon, and is mad that he would leave without at least saying goodbye. Maverick didn't even have a ticket to go anywhere afterwards, though, so after he talks to Charlie, he goes to Viper's house, who explains that his father was a hero who continued fighting to save others, even though he was wounded before going down in a neutral zone, which is why they wouldn't tell the family what happened. So, Pat, Goose's death is a very real consequence of Maverick's bad behavior, in my opinion. I know that Des blames Iceman, but... Oh, me and the rest of the world, but that's okay. (laughs) Okay, well, I mean, if Maverick was a safer flyer, it wouldn't have happened, period. Uh, If Iceman was a glory hog trying to fucking keep him from taking a winning shot, none of it would have happened. He said ten times, move out of the fucking way. You don't have the shot. And even Iceman agreed, I don't have the shot. I don't have the shot. Fucking move. Okay. Go ahead, Pat. Pat. I'm going to say they both had reasons. They were both at fault. Again, ice took too long and caused Maverick to go through his uh, jet wash. But Maverick was also way too close because if he wasn't, he would have been able to get out of that jet wash. What I don't like. Well, no. Again, it all comes back. It doesn't matter who you blame. The simple fact is those planes are designed for that canopy. First off, they're in a flat spin and they're falling straight down. The canopy has explosive bolts. When they eject, those explosive bolts rocket that canopy away from the plane. And it doesn't go straight up. It goes at an angle. It's designed to do so because the pilot is about to eject straight out of the plane. It's a Hollywood death, and it sucked. I sucked. much sucked. I would have rather have had something far more acceptable. Um, Hell, he gets tangled in his in his yes, um it chokes in him his exactly. things yeah. and chokes him out, or he hits the water and it breaks his neck, or like something, anything, anything, anything. other than the obvious not gonna happen thing. I mean, yeah. just the just the way he launched into that canopy. When I'm watching, I mean, the first time you watch it, you're shocked. 
you watch yeah. it a hundred times and you're like, what the fuck Dude, is and, this? And the force that that thing is shooting them out of that plane. If he hit that canopy, it'd be scrambled eggs time. Yeah, exactly. But again, this is why the canopy is designed the way it is to eject the way it does. I mean, this just, this isn't someone saying, yeah, let's do it this way. Yeah, that'll work okay. No, these designs are there for a reason. Yeah. yeah. So you gotta think that why. this would be a, like a terrible accident, both on Maverick, Iceman's, and the canopies. So anybody who has designed or is involved with the maintenance of these these airplanes, like if this actually did happen, it would be like a three-way tie for who was at fault, you know? Well, right. this, is, this is, again, this is why we've only lost two submarines in the history of the Navy. And it's because they didn't have the safety systems the submarines have now. Right. So if that would have happened, you can be guaranteed it would not happen again the same right. way. They mm -hmm. would design it specifically not to happen that way. Right. So at this point in time, I mean, the F-14 is the most advanced fighter plane on the planet. That we know of. I don't see that canopy killing being the, the, the cause of Goose's death. And every time I see it after the first time, it just makes me want to throw up. Um, now, I didn't like what else I didn't like about this was um, it brings Val Kilmer's character into question. I, up to this point, believe that Val Kilmer is always about, you know, procedure, about his, uh, you know, his wingman, his crew. Uh, right is right. We're going to do it by the book. I feel like his character, the way it's been presented to me up to this point, he's going to realize he can't get the shot and he's going to move out of the way. It's just the way he operates. It's right. not going to bring, even if Maverick gets the shot off, everybody still knows that Iceman is the guy, you know? Right. And he's going to, and, and half the reason he's the guy is because he would move over when he didn't have the shot. Well, he's that's what I was going to say. He should, he should technically get points for moving over when he doesn't have the shot and doing the right thing, which that's would mean right. he should technically still win the trophy or whatever it is because he did the right thing. So he gets the points for not being a glory hog yes. and for doing the right thing. Right. He set Maverick up to get that shot. You know, yeah. he put the pressure on the MIG and then moved over and, and Maverick, you know, cleaned up the setup that he gave him. Right. This would never go down like this. This is not Iceman's character. It's and let's and let's not forget the entire time you see the camera angle underneath Maverick's plane. That's one of the mounted cameras that mm -hmm. were built for that plane for this movie. You see Iceman in front of him. You see the MiG in front of Iceman. And again, not to be a total analytical anal idiot, nobody <laughs> is attempting to fly anything other than a straight trajectory. Right. I mean, seriously? Come on, look right. at look at the dog fighting during their hops while they were training, and they've got just to run your ass with a faster, smaller plane. These guys are jerking left and right. They're going this way and that way to keep, and that's the way you're supposed to fly, for Christ's sake. Even your simplest and basic aerial combat video game trains you how to do that. And right. here's another thing. How is it? Nobody had any flares or any chafe yeah, of yeah, any yeah, kind. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ, these are the most advanced planes. Nobody's using flares in this movie. To you could have made these missiles off them. You could have made these um, combat scenes a little more realistic, 
But I think because this is like the first time they ever made a movie like this with this kind of aerial camera work, they were looking for the quality instead of the um, reality. Yeah, they wanted sure. the flash. They wanted the flash. And like, not to keep going back to it, but like with an officer and gentleman, I feel like you almost get a peek behind officer training. Like it felt like they really tried to keep that, you know, uh, true to what it might be like, uh, you know, they weren't taking any bullshit in that movie. It just felt, it felt real to me where this just felt like fluff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. You know, and honestly, it's just, it's, you've got so, so much of, I don't know. They're rushing to get back to the romance story too. And it's like, I, I don't care. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like let's focus a little bit more on Goose and his family. Let's focus a little bit more on his his other, you know, pilots and the inquiry and all that. And it's just they're rushing to get back to the yeah. romance. And it's like Yeah. And Goose's family didn't seem too tore up about it. Like it didn't have it didn't hold a ton of weight where it really should have. Maybe so it was Meg just... Ryan's tears running down her face when uh, she says mad. That 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 was a real emotion. That was uh, just I didn't yeah, think and the little was... kid is too young to really understand. So that I can accept. Yeah. It didn't hit hard. Uh, And then we're going to get, you know, this, they were so in love, him and Charlie. Now she's like, I was kind of hoping to say goodbye before I left for Washington. Ah, You know? Yeah. That entire scene was, was junk. His entire attitude when she tries to comfort him or tries to be there for him. And he's just so dismissive. Yeah. That it's like, you know, you just want yeah. to look at him and go, dude, go fuck yourself. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to get them borrowing again from an officer and a gentleman because after Sid commits suicide in an officer and a gentleman, Richard Gere's character DORs. He's going to quit a week before graduation. And, you know, Lou Gossett Jr. is saying to him, don't DOR, you know, you're so close. And I D-O-R. And, you know, Richard Gere's character's got the motorcycle just like Tom Cruise and is going to race through the base on this motorcycle. This is very similar to Officer and a Gentleman. And then at the last minute, they're going to let him graduate with his class, just like mm-hmm. they do in this. Yeah. Only so, done yeah. not as well. <laughs> yeah. The funny <laughs> thing is, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking to myself, did we actually like this movie? Because we're, <laughs> we're really, we're really tearing it apart. Listen, I mean, I, I struggled I loved, to get through it. Today. I loved the flight scenes. I loved all the aerial action, and that's all I wanted from this movie. Pat, I'm not gonna lie. I couldn't wait for it to be over. No, seriously, I really couldn't. I kept looking at the ticker, and I'm like, I just, I, I'm, I'm just not engaged in this movie. <laughs> all right, uh, let's okay. move on. We're gonna wrap it up here. So despite all this, Maverick does graduate from the class and gets reassigned to the Enterprise, where an incident with enemy MiGs leads to a fateful battle involving Iceman as well as Maverick. Iceman and Hollywood are launched to intercept a pair of MiGs, but are jumped by four additional enemy fighters. Hollywood is shot down and Iceman is hopelessly surrounded when Maverick is launched, now with Merlin as his Rio. Though delayed by malfunctioning catapults on the flight deck, Maverick still arrives at the scene of the battle but is surrounded by an enemy when he flies into one of the ship's jet washes. His own fighter briefly stalls out. Though he re- uh, he regains control, he flashes back to Goose's death and breaks off, leaving Iceman, who doubted Maverick's ability to handle the assignment anyways, and Merlin trapped... Uh, I'm sorry. Let me go back. 
leaving Iceman, who doubted Maverick's ability to handle the assignment, trapped as Merlin desperately yells at Maverick to get back into battle. Maverick pulls himself together and returns to assist Iceman, and they destroy, destroy four MiGs, prompting the remaining squadron to retreat. As a result, Maverick and Iceman finally become friends. As a reward for his heroism, Maverick is offered any assignment he chooses. He chooses to be an instructor at Top Gun. He tosses Goose's dog tags into the ocean, signifying he's come to terms with his friend's death, though I don't think he really did. Oh. Um, uh, and upon his return to California, Charlie finds him and they res presumably resume their love affair. I don't understand why she'd leave Washington for him, but okay. I, uh, Des, I'd say that despite what happens with Maverick and Iceman at the end, Maverick is unable to function as a fighter pilot in a real combat situation, which is why he is going back to Top Gun and Goose's death is going to haunt him forever. His considerable yeah. talents are wasted as an instructor. And also, I think that maybe Goose's kid would have liked to have had his dog tags instead of sitting at the bottom of the Indian Ocean. What do you think? All valid points. All yeah, valid yeah. points. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. All right. So, the scene with uh, with Iceman taking on all the MiGs, this is the best scene in the movie. I fucking love this. His plane is zigging and zagging, and there's five different MiGs all around him. I mean, it's so unrealistic, but I just loved it. I thought it was a really great scene. Um, so fucking Maverick, he's going to get really lucky that Iceman didn't get shot down while he was out contemplating and having a moment and everyone's screaming, engage, engage. And he's like, man, I don't know. Talk to me, goose. It's like, dude, he's lucky. He's lucky. Iceman didn't get shot down. And you know what? Iceman, this is why Iceman said to Viper or whoever it was, Hey, I don't think, Fucking Maverick is the right guy for me to take out him. They're that like, was he's a fine. Dick move. But but at the end of the day, he was fucking right. Because when he needed Maverick, Maverick flew <clears> off <throat> to get his head together. Yeah. So he called it. Iceman called it. He's okay. lucky. I'll give you that. Yet when it came down to it, he pulled his shit together and he still took out three MiGs. But it doesn't matter. It was only because fucking Iceman was still around to be saved because he is a true ace. Maverick fucking dropped the ball. He left. He left his man. He left the dogfight and left fucking Iceman on his own against fucking five MiGs. It's a bitch move. It's a bitch move. <laughs> All right. Um, you would know. And yeah. Okay. Oh, that was a good one. That's uh, a point. That's a point. <laughs> That's a point. Um, so I submit that maybe there's a scene we didn't see where they say to Maverick, you're not fit for duty. We can't, you know, we appreciate what you did out there, but I think your place is probably best training guys at Top Gun. But you know what? They wouldn't even want that because you wouldn't want this guy instilling his fucking lack of discipline into young pilots. The guy's useless. He's fucking useless. He would be he would be honorably discharged at this point. Honorably probably. discharged. Yeah, probably. He, he's he's trash. This guy's trash. Um, and I don't think that uh, Iceman would have been like, "You could fly on my wing any day," uh, and give Iceman him a big hug. Iceman would probably hug. punch him on yes. the deck. Yeah, you're fucking lucky. I was able to fucking outmaneuver those five MIGs for the hour and 45 minutes you were off fucking daydreaming <laughs> uh, i wish the uh final scene had been maverick walking into the hangar in front of his new class of top gun hopefuls 
and giving us the opening lines that he got from his instructor at the beginning of the movie. I think that would have been great. And then if you wanted to give us Charlie one more time, she could have come down the aisle and looked at him like, hey, I passed up Washington to train students with you here at Top Gun. End of movie. I'm fine with that. I don't want the fucking ending we got. Fuck this movie. Okay. Uh, so do we want to... As we can see, Des does not sugarcoat anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did we want to do any more on this or just give our final thoughts and our rewatch I'm scores? ready to move on. Let's do it. I um, think you've already said enough. Okay. I haven't. So my final thoughts. Uh, <laughs> Are you want to do recasting couch before we do scores? Uh, no. Okay. So when he this really movie, wants to put this to bed. No, we're going to do recasting couch because I got a great recast. But uh, so when this movie was good, it was great. I enjoyed it. When it was on, it was on. You know, these fighting scenes were great. When it was bad, it was really bad. Um, I didn't care for the love affair. And I usually like romance movies. I'm into, you know, rom-coms and romance. But this just didn't work. It was terrible. Um, and though Goose was funny, you know, he he was good. He was delivering funny lines. It felt out of place and inappropriate in this movie. Um, I wish the direction had been more serious and set in the reality of Air Force rules and Navy rules and military rules instead of this like fantasy that they gave us. I wish they had chopped the love affair. It didn't work and replaced it with a sub story written around um, the relationship between Viper and Maverick. And the mystery of Mavic's father, which would finally be revealed at the end of the movie. And maybe even give us like a surprise twist ending where we find out something about, you know, his father that was, you know, uh, so deep um, that nobody could know about it. You know, like it was classified beyond classified, but Viper would finally say at the end of the movie, you know, hey, kid, you know, after this big thing, you've proven you can keep a secret. So this is what happened. Yay. Um, but with all that being said, <laughs> I thought I thought this movie was still above average. I mean, there's a reason it's pop culture. There's a reason it is what it is. It doesn't suck. But it was better in 1986 than it was in 2023. Um, so I'm going to give it a rewatch score of 2.98. It's above average, but it's not great. That's my rambling right. final thought. Pat, what did you think? Uh I think the best scene thing about this movie was obviously the um, all the aircraft and the maneuvers, the camera work. It was just, I think it was one of the reasons why this movie was so popular because up to this point, you had never seen anything like this. The closest you come to seeing anything like this was uh, with Clint Eastwood in the movie Firefox. Yeah, I remember that. That's about the only, and and this just went a little bit further because it obviously it had far more um, uh, access to cameras and shooting scenes the way they did um, and real ma- and real fighter pilots that yes. shot these scenes. If you watch the credits at the end of this movie, the list of pilots that were in this movie, actual pilots in the U.S. Navy, is just it's longer than the cast. That's yeah. awesome. Longer than the cast. That's how many real fighter pilots were used in this movie. And you got to give props to the the Navy pilots. Um, a lot of the things you saw, like the opening scene uh, on the aircraft carrier with the flight oh, crew yeah. on the deck. 
all everything you see like that, that's all stock footage. Yeah, footage it's real. Was oh yeah, I mean, so you access or you put all of that together with um, uh, unique um, flight camera work and the planes, uh, the the images uh, with the cameras that they had underneath um, the F-14s showing the pilot's view from underneath, forward or behind. You'd never seen anything like that before. So that was just really gripping. Um, I'm going to go right down the middle of the road and I'm going to give it a three. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Three it is. Adeline? All right. So uh, I echo a lot of what both of you said. First of all, I would like to point out uh, or talk about what Pat did about the flight crew, especially in that opening scene and how cool that is. Because when I was watching it, because I actually watched it twice because I had to uh, write up some stuff. And to me, I actually was watching it and I'm saying to myself, like, wow, it'd be really easy for somebody to get really hurt really quickly out there. And these people, not even the pilots, these people that are just on the flight deck are taking their lives into their hands every time they walk out there. And you got to give, you got to give them a lot of credit for that. So I also agree with Des, you could cut out the romance or change it a little bit. It just didn't quite work. It feels cringy. His behavior is so juvenile. And I have a feeling this almost 30 year old woman would have had no fucking tolerance for it whatsoever. No interest. Um, yeah, just I can't imagine that she was actually interested. It just didn't make any sense to me. You Juvenile know, you, is a you, good word. Yeah, you don't become this career woman with all of this going on in your life. And that's what's interesting you is this hotshot idiot that can't get out of his own way. So I, I think they did a disservice to the way they wrote the women in the movie. Honestly, you could have taken all the women out of it and just made it an old boys club. It's okay. It's yep. the Navy. I get it. Like, no big deal. You don't have to force the women in there. But they did. And I don't know. You could have left it yeah. out. Um, so I'm going to kind of, uh, I'm just a little bit behind Des. I'm giving it a 2.8. I mean, I really do appreciate all of the flight stuff. It's cool. I love the cameras attached to the planes. I like the, you know, they did a wonderful job with all that, but some of the, like you're talking about like at least 35 to 40% of the movie, I was cringing and like, uh, like, no, thank you. So I have to, I have to go there. So with your guys' scores plus my score divided by three, that takes us to 2.926666666.7. So let's see. That puts us at... Des, I like your T-shirt. Thank you. Okay, I think Tony so would like that, too. This <laughs> is going to drop in at number 27. Trick or Treat is above it with a 3.16. Dumb and Dumber is underneath it with 2.91. <laughs> so that's uh, where it fell in the list. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to watch any of those movies again. So perfect. <laughs> uh, I do think that Trick or Treat is probably, I would rather watch Trick or Treat than this again. And I would probably, I don't know. I don't really wouldn't want to watch Dumb and Dumber or this one again. So I yeah. want to ask you two a question. Sure. I'm sure you've both seen the sequel. Yeah. Of I've the not. two movies, which one did you like best? Oh, the sequel. It wasn't even close. Okay. I didn't watch I it yet. So. But after I watch this, I'll probably watch it just to round out the story. Actually, you learn. I like Pete Mitchell in the sequel a lot better and a lot more than I liked him in the uh, original. They corrected some of their wrongs. Then hopefully, the sequel is (laughs) tighter. Let's 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 just say that his history of rebellion and renegade activity affected him in the future. Okay, and what he was doing and what he was able to do 
Right. The sequel is a much tighter movie and they clean up a lot of the mistakes they made in the first one. You know, much we're going to lose. Storyline. It is. It's just better. And even the fighter pilot stuff and all the flight scenes are better because it's just done in 2022. So it's just and, better. And and the 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 Russian planes they have to go against yeah. are so badass. Oh, so badass. So the badass. The fifth gen fighters at the end of this movie were absolute badass. Yeah. Some of the maneuvers they made these planes do, even yeah. if they can't do them in real life, was awesome. Oh. Dude, and when Tom Cruise goes down trying to break that sound speed thing when he's like at Mach, like whatever, Mach 15, (laughs) whatever the fuck it is, and he like disintegrates. That's the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah, I loved it. He's like smoldering. The flyby over Ed Harris's head. Yes, yes. (laughs) Good movie. Okay, so let's get to the recasting couch. I will start. And I will fix a problem in this movie. I'm going to replace an old-looking 29-year-old Kelly McGillis with a younger-looking 26-year-old Kelly LeBrock, who was closer to Tom Cruise's age of 22 and would be more believable love affair between these two, I think. And she can easily pull off this character. Um, You'll remember how strong of a character she played in Weird Science, where she was just taking control. Yeah. So I like Kelly LeBrock in this uh, in this role, and I think that it makes this easier to digest. Pat, I can who see do you that. got? Um, I had to think about this for a minute. I think I would replace Tom Cruise with Nick Cage. Interesting. Hmm. That's an interesting yeah. take. A young, a young Nick Cage. Young Nick yes. Cage. Yeah. But, but I would like to point out because we're talking actors, uh, James Tolkien. Mm-hmm. was absolutely brilliant in this movie. Yes, agreed. Um, all, but all I saw was Principal Strickland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all uh, dude, I saw. He dude, did a I, great job. He was commanding the cigar smoke in the pilot's face when he's this yeah. freaking close to him. Yeah. It, it was, was just, he was so good in this. Yeah, uh, But all I saw was Principal Strickland with a shotgun. Dude, I really like your um I like your recast. I think a young Nick Cage with hair uh gives this movie hair. Yeah, yeah. It has to be a young Nick Cage with hair. Like like con air hair. Yeah. No, no. No, I'm thinking more like uh, a little older than Valley Girl. A Navy fighter pilot with a mullet. Just stop, okay? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean a young Nick Cage like um yeah, it doesn't matter when. But I think that he he's <laughs> I think that he actually works with Kelly McGillis too. I think that those two work. They're a better match. He's more mature. He would have been he would have been better for this movie. But okay. So Lynn, what do you got? You had, you were bragging on some fucking super I think pick. This is great. I think this is great. This is my <laughs> my pick. So I removed Tom Cruise. Yep. I slide Val Kilmer over in, just like you were saying in your fake fact, yeah. slide Val Kilmer over into the Maverick role. Mm-hmm. And okay. then as Iceman, Patrick Swayze. Oh, yeah. I can see yes. that. Okay. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, I can think see about that. it. He brings the Roadhouse without bringing quite, no. quite the Dalton. But I love your, I love your pick. But I think you leave Val Kilmer as Iceman because he is Iceman, and you put Patrick <laughs> Swayze as Maverick. But you bring in that Roadhouse kind of like sensibility. You know, he's, yeah, he's the wild card. Confidence is he's the, the word. wild card, but he's still disciplined. When it's time to get naughty, he's going to get naughty. 
I like I like his I like his idea. You get yeah. the right idea okay. for the characters. He's okay. got the right idea for the positions. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think Patrick I think Swayze every- would have brought a little something. I think that Tom Cruise was just a little too immature. Goofy. Goofy. Immature. Goofy, immature. He still felt like risky business. You know, like it just yeah. it wasn't working for me. And yeah, I just it didn't work for me. Google yeah. Google how many movies he had done before Top Gun. Not many. I don't Not think he well, that's why many. I'm saying that's why I say immature. He still he still had a lot of work to get his acting in order. Yeah, yeah it I mean, right. it didn't. It just didn't work for me. But, you know, but I it definitely... wasn't even his fault. It was the director's fault. That the flavor of the movie was off. They didn't know what they wanted it to be. They weren't sure what they were doing. Was it a comedy? Was it a drama? Was it a love movie? Was it a rom com? I don't fucking know. Yeah, so mistake. this says uh, IMDb. He did a movie called Endless Love, a movie called Taps, a movie called Losing It. He was in The Outsiders. Uh, he did risk. Oh my yeah. god! Wow. He did risky business. He did all the right moves. He did Legend, and then he did Top Gun. So only you I know saw... this is like his seventh yeah, or eighth movie. Well, in Taps, he had to have been I... like a preteen. No, yeah, in nineteen eighty one. No, he wasn't a preteen. He was probably about wow. seventeen in Taps. I saw that in the movie theater when I was yeah, a kid. So did I. And I thought, George do the math. Scott was awesome. Do yeah, the math though, because he was 22 in Top Gun in '86, and Taps was 1981. So, you yeah. know, 17. Like I said, 17. 17. Because yeah. he's one of the older kids in Taps. That's so, right. You're right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a really good movie, man. That one when the a little kid gets shot. When the little kid gets story. shot. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. So um, next week uh, on the music podcast our sister podcast breaking vinyl we're going to be reviewing the top gun soundtrack (laughs) (laughs) so there you go um all right and next week we are going to be reviewing air force one again with pat and oh i'm doubled up yes you're doubled up and that's going to be harrison ford air force one i've never seen this movie delin have you ever seen it i've never seen it Pat, wow, have you ever no seen shit. it? I've seen it a couple times. Okay. There's there's a few things. I mean, it's you gotta take this movie with a grain, with of, a salt. grain of salt. <laughs> okay. Because everything that Harrison Ford does as a president wouldn't even fucking come close to happening with with Joe Biden. So I was gonna say <laughs> not you even can't, fucking close. You can't see Joe Biden uh taking control back of Air Force One over uh terrorists and then landing it? No. Nope. Okay. But I will say this: we get to see Gary Oldman at his oh, finest. Oh, really? Movie. Good. I love Gary a Gary Oldman, Oldman movie. He plays the villain, and he's he's very very good. I'll be Excellent. looking forward to that. Um, all right, so I would like to uh, say to the listeners: I didn't notice a lot of good reviews out there this week. Oh, but we do have a couple of those uh, good reviews. Yeah. Remember one's I told from, you we got some stuff on iTunes? One's from our co-host, Mickey, and the other's from her <laughs> husband. <laughs> no, that's not true. It was just one from him. From him. Oh, shit. You're All such right, an asshole. Got? Oh, no, yeah, please asshole. put him in his place if you don't mind. I'm trying to find it. It's going to, of course, take you me a minute. To. Oh, God. Okay. Um, all right. Well, while you do that, uh, let me tell you where you can find the podcast. You can find the podcast anywhere you find quality podcasts. Okay. No you ready? Way. Yeah. So we got two nice reviews on Apple. One of them is from A. LaRue 33. Excellent podcast. This podcast is a riot. Fun to listen to. And I love the banter between the hosts. Wish I could give it 10 stars. 
Then nice. SHB11 gave us a review saying, what a fun show. This show is a lot of fun. Good movies, fun skits, great banter. So thank you guys. We appreciate oh, it. Excellent. There, there is seven five-star readings on <laughs> Apple, which is low. We'd like to see more, but we do appreciate those of you that went out of your way to do it. I do appreciate it. And I want yeah, you to know so we listen, appreciate you two, it. We're sending you guys both out t-shirts. Be looking at your mailbox. <laughs> t-shirts. <laughs> Okay, we don't have tea. What are you going to do? Give them something out of your wardrobe? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, I think we did it. Um, we did it. All right. Yeah. And uh, if anybody's always, looking uh, for us on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, I've now put links to everything in the show notes. So the show notes are right underneath where you're wa- listening to the podcast. You just scroll down and there's links to everything there. Our email, everything. So you don't have to listen to me prattle out the whole list they're just on the show notes and you can find us there anywhere all right give it to show a five-star review right now listen ready (laughs) right now do it right now 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 Now. okay right now um as always fun watching movies from opposite sides of the house with you delin having to kick in the bathroom door when i'm trying to take a dump and read my phone Mm -hmm. uh pat Nice job. Once again, you're uh you're on top of the five fun and one fake facts. You've been three in a row, been, baby. Three in a row. I'm gonna get shooting you. for gonna, four next week. Uh, I'm gonna get you next week. There's no chance. Uh, uh, I will give you this. I will give you this. You definitely changed up your source of information. Yes, I after I revealed that we're both getting it from the same place. That's how yeah. I won the first two. Yeah, so I contacted. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some kudos for trying to slip one past me this week, and good luck next week. Yeah, I actually contacted um, Val Kilmer. He's my second cousin on my father's side, and uh, we discussed some fifth. of the. We discussed. Oh my God! Okay, help us. Okay. okay, okay, okay. So until next week, I just have one question for you. Hey, did you ever see that movie? See you later. Bye. Adios. <laughs> An hour oh, 42. Man.